All right. Praise the Lord. If you would turn to John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, Very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus' words, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. And um, Lord, we don't ever want to be unthankful people, Lord. We want to be people that are thankful, Lord God, and aware and Understand, Lord God, what's came before us, Lord God, and, and, and what the future holds for us, Lord God. Father, I just pray that you take this word and you help us and uh, strengthen us, Lord God, and pour your spirit into our lives, Lord God, and let it be worthy of your sacrifice, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. This story today is Jesus... Um, it's six days before he's going to give his life on Calvary. Um, he's about to go to the cross, just six short days. And the crowd of people are there at one of the feast days, the feast of Passover. And um, that week will be the feast of unleavened bread. And so everybody's gathering around him. And in this particular spot, uh, even the Greeks have came to the city where they're mostly Jews and the Greeks are saying, we want to see Jesus. We want to talk to him. We want to see what he has to say. And they were, uh, people were beginning to pursue him from all over the world. How many know that Jesus uh, called himself the bread of life? Like the whole world was hungry because they needed what he had to live. And as they're all clamoring in John chapter 12 to see him, Jesus very obviously has his death in mind. And I don't know what would go through your mind if you knew you had six days left on this earth to live. And so he's beginning to kind of tell an almost a parable type of story, um, something about his death that's really important to us. And so he just um, out of nowhere says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it'll produce many. Now the title of my sermon is, From Dead to Bread. From Dead to Bread. Now if Jesus just dies, and Jesus isn't following the will of God, he would die alone, right? But Jesus did the will of God, and like this wheat kernel, he actually went into the ground, died, was buried, resurrected. And what he's saying is, because I was resurrected, there's going to be fruit everywhere. I mean, the fruit of my death is going to exponentially grow and in your life what I'm doing this is going to affect your life and you're going to be so fruitful in your life you won't believe what God will do in your life if you allow this seed to be in you that I'm getting ready to plant 
And so six days before his death, he's beginning to explain what's getting ready to happen. And what's really cool about this is there are three harvest feasts. Now, the society that he lived in was agricultural. Everything was agriculture. Everything was based on agriculture. Their wealth was based on agriculture. Their actual survival was built around agriculture. So during the time of the Passover... Uh, this was the first of the harvest feasts, and it was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the first, um, it was a very light harvest, but it was a celebration of the harvest. And all three of these harvest feasts were celebrations. Now, how many like celebrations? And we all want to celebrate and they're celebrating this giant hall of, you know, from the beginning of the harvest to the end, there's three celebrations, and they're celebrating because God has really blessed them. God has done a great thing for their um, agriculture, and He's blessed them with, 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 this basically means we're going to have plenty to eat for the whole year. It also means we're going to have plenty of money because we had a great harvest. And so everything was wrapped around all your wealth, all of your, um, all of your abundance, everything in your life was based on having a good harvest. And everybody in the community knew it. We want God to bless everything that we do. And sometimes as a church, as individuals, we say, man, I want God to bless my church. I want revival. I want a harvest like we've never seen before. I want God to bless my family. I want God to bless my children. I want to have this great celebration, and I want a harvest that's so big. But we forget how the harvest starts. How do you get a harvest? Listen to this scripture. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. Sluggards, or lazy people, will not plow in season. So during the harvest time, they look, but they don't find anything. Do you hear that? Let me give you another version. That wasn't clear. New Living Translation. Those who are too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food in the harvest. So everything God built around our Christian life is to have a harvest, to bear lots of fruit. And He wants us to have fruit in our life. He wants us to have the right kind of success, not the kind of success the world sells us. You know, where I, if I can do this, or I can do that, if I can do this, and then you die and you have nothing. You've wasted your life. But I'm talking about real fruit that God wants to give us. And he says, if you don't plant early on, do the hard work of planting, you won't eat later. You say, oh, I'll eat just fine. And we got all these different ways that we believe that we can eat without working. But the Bible says if you work not, you eat not. And so there's lots of laws here that God is trying to teach us about living for God and having a fruitful life and living this life that Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ is speaking a mystery here. A mystery about a seed that He's going to put in us. And in order to understand the mystery, we have to understand agriculture and we have to understand harvest feasts. 
Because he goes for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a week. Okay, and at the first wave offering, this is the barley harvest. It's a very light harvest, but it's maybe the most important harvest. Because at the barley harvest, they had to wave the barley in front of God and he had to accept it. And the barley harvest represented the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fifty days later after the barley harvest was the day of Pentecost, which was last Sunday. And that's why I was preaching. I didn't realize it until I got in the prayer room. I, my whole sermon was about the Holy Spirit. It was about the Holy Spirit in the temple and how passionate Jesus was about living inside of the temple and how he was jealous for that temple. And that temple was you. But at Pentecost, there was another harvest. And it was called the harvest of the first fruits. And at the very time the Holy Spirit was falling upon his church, God began to pull in a harvest. Every Old Testament saint, every person that God brought into the kingdom from then until now, there's been a giant harvest that's being gathered in heaven. Then there's a third feast. It's a fall feast. And it's the very end of the harvest. And the very end of the harvest is that final ingathering of everybody, everybody and all humankind that accepts Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. There's this giant feast called the ingathering. And in those three harvests, you begin to see human redemption. God paints a picture that you can't miss. It's almost like a children's coloring book. It's so simple. And it's like there's a beginning of the harvest, middle of the harvest, and there's the final ingathering. What God's saying is, I want you to have the greatest blessing and the greatest harvest you've ever had, but you've got to start this thing right. You've got to understand what I'm doing. And he starts it with, and this is the hard thing. In order for you to have a harvest, in order for this church to have a harvest, we have to understand how it starts. And man, seasons are so important. In fact, you notice right now, you're like, man, I hate farmers. I hate them, man. They're always blocking my roads. And they're always doing all this. How many notice they're really busy right now? I mean, they understand what that little seed's power is. And they understand how much hard work it takes to get it in the ground under the right conditions and cleared the right way. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm about to die and inside of me is a seed that's so powerful, you'll live forever. And when this thing grows, it'll change lives. It'll change your home. It'll change your community. It'll do things you never thought. This is a miraculous seed that has potential and power. But this seed may lie dormant in your, in your heart and you'll never, ever see the seed grow to life. You know that every seed has a little switch on it. It's an on-off switch. You say, well, man, I've never seen that. I've looked at seeds and I've never noticed an on-off switch. Listen to this. A preacher was studying. This is a story I read from a, a, a book. So a preacher was studying about seeds. And while he was studying about seeds, he uh, decided to call a seed company. Because he was trying to figure out, if a seed dies, what's it like? I mean, what's the science here when the seed dies and becomes alive again? 
What's this all about? So he actually called the seed company. And he said, um, I called the seed company and asked him, how does the seed die? And he said, in every seed there is a cell of diatron which is filled with chlorophyll. All seeds have a little chlorophyll in them. For me, that's like your soul. There is a cabbage chlorophyll. There's a carrot chlorophyll. There's an asparagus chlorophyll. And we as human beings have chlorophyll, the human soul. And it wants to live. You have the chlorophyll of eternal life. So inside of you is a seed that God has put there. God said he has set eternity in every man's heart. And that light is the life of man. And every man that cometh into the world has been lit. And so inside of you is a seed that is, wants to spring forth to eternal life. And so he said, I really don't, he said, um, he said, I really don't understand how the seed dies. You might want to call our PhD in plant physiology at the university. So I called the PhD and gave him my same introduction. I'm preaching a sermon about seed. The key to the sermon is this. Unless it dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many. Can you tell me what happens when the seed dies? The professor finally gave me the answer. It helps to have a PhD in plant physiology. He told me that inside every seed is an embryo. And in the embryo is a root which goes down. To the ground and a shoot that goes up to the sky. Every embryo has a root and a shoot, and inside that little embryo is a real miracle. There is an on off switch. I didn't know that. I didn't know that seeds have on off switches, but they do. Every seed has a little on off mechanism. When you plant the seed into the ground at 40 degrees for 40 days, the mechanism switches on. But if the temperature is 20 degrees, the mechanism stays off. This is a miraculous mechanism which goes on and off. Now there is also a thin coat around the seed which protects from oxygen coming in prematurely. When this dormant seed is planted into the ground, for 40 days at 40 degrees, the switch goes on. The seed will take in water and it miraculously begins to expand The seed coat is broken and begins to mature and produce sugar and protein. Then out comes a little root and a little shoot that produce more seed and more fruit. And that's what happens when the seed dies, says the professor. It is a miracle. Jesus said, they're going to wrap me up and they're going to place me in the ground and this kernel is going to die. And then when I come back to life, The switch will go on, and the root will go down, and the shoot will go up, and there's chlorophyll in there that's going to determine what you are. And it still doesn't explain one thing to me. I kept looking, and I kept looking, and I kept looking, and everything that I read said that the seed is dormant. Not dead. It's dormant. And so I kept thinking, where is the death at? Where is the death of this seed? Because that's what we need to know. He's telling us that in order for this seed to bear fruit, it has to die. 
And so these seeds are actually dormant. You know they found these seeds in, in like the uh, tombs of mummies that are like thousands of years old. Plant them and they still, they were dormant. They're a miraculous little thing to see. It's just so miraculous we can't hardly even understand how God did this thing. But Jesus is saying, I'm like that seed, but he said something has to die. And you know what? There's a condition of the human soul where the switch will go on. In fact, if you've ever planted a seed, the next thing you begin to do, you clear all this stuff out of your life, all this weeds, and you clear the ground, you break it up, the heart gets ready, right? And then one of the very first things you do is you begin to fertilize. And you begin to say, I want conditions to be perfect for this seed to finally grow. And do you know what fertilizer is? I won't be very graphic here. But anything that had life at one time and died, that's fertilizer. Whether it be the bathroom, something dies there. And some of you have been in there and it smelled like somebody died. All right, I'm just saying, I'm being honest. I have teenage sons. (laughs) But fertilizer is something that has died. And, you know, you could go through kitchen scraps and you can find things that were once alive, potato pills. You know, if you've ever done any type of uh, composting, you know, there are certain things that make good fertilizer because they lived at one time. And God is telling us a mystery here. This seed is dormant, meaning it's not dead, but something has to die for the switch to go on. And that thing that has to die is our selfish self. We have to take that seed and you say, well, man, what did they do? How were they able to give everything they had for our nation and for their families? Because they weren't selfish. In order for freedom to live in our nation, you can't take your life back. You give your life freely, right? Jesus was giving his life freely. He says no greater love than to die than for a friend to give his life for his friend. Jesus is asking us to die to our selfish pursuits. You say, well, that seems like a foreign ideal. Really? Some of you have graduated from high school and done really well. See all these graduations. And do you know that in order to do well in high school and get good grades, what do you have to do? To whatever extent you sacrificed yourself to study is how well you did, right? If you went to college and earned a degree... To whatever extent you applied yourself and died to yourself to study, you did well. When you're working out in a gym, to whatever extent you deny yourself and apply yourself to working out, you succeeded in the gym. It's a simple law that God has placed in our world is is when you die to self to accomplish what God's called us to do, You'll bear fruit. And so Jesus has called us not only to receive his gospel, 
to receive him into our hearts, but something's got to be placed in our heart to make this switch go on. Remember, on-off mechanism. Temperature has to be right. Length of time has to be right. And man, I need all kinds of dead things around this thing, fertilizer to make this thing grow. Now, some of you have received Jesus Christ in your life. but There's been no sacrifice. There's been no pursuit of God in any way in your life. Your pursuit of self far outweighs your pursuit of God. And God said he wants to do amazing things in your life, but you've never came to the point where you can say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. To be the Lord of my life means I want to do things, but they're in opposition to God. So God, I sacrifice that to you. God, I accept your opinion over mine. And you know what that is? Fertilizer. Lord, I die to that because that's not pleasing to you. And boy, this thing's really starting to grow now. And something comes into gear and some root becomes, I become rooted in God. And Satan's like, oh no, there's a root there. How many get excited when you plant like seeds and you come out, you plant a long line of corn. You got that nice warm soil and that corn comes up and boy, you see that shoot come up. And I go, oh yeah. Don't you just feel really proud of yourself? I mean, I know I have trees. I was the other day, I was, I have a tree that I planted was this tall and they're 20 feet now. And I'm, I'm like, oh man, I'm your dad. You know, I'm walking in there just kind of, you know, strutting a little bit. And, but here's the thing. That root begins to grow. God's the same way about us. You know, we begin to, self just goes away and we say, God, I want to be rooted in you. God, I want you to grow in me. I want to have a root in you. I want to shoot up to the sky. Chlorophyll, you know, this, how about this? Chlorophyll inside of that seed is what allows you to draw energy from the sun. So it shoots up in that chlorophyll. I mean, I'm starting to draw strength from God. Never in my life have I drawn strength from God, but now all of a sudden I'm drawing strength from God because I got a chlorophyll in me that says I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God now. And so now I'm beginning to reach up. I'm beginning to root in, and boy, the enemy sees that. And here come the weeds. But I'm not going to let weeds grow. I'm going to stay very vigilant. The enemy will come in and, and, and try to choke out what God's doing. But no, the good gardener comes in and clears it out and says, you know what, I don't want that in my life. I don't need that in my life. And then it gets a little stronger and it gets a little stronger and it gets a little stronger. And what Jesus is saying is, man, if that kernel, my death, what does it mean to you? When somebody dies for our nation... I can guarantee you, you've got people that don't appreciate what people have done for us to live in what we do today. For us to live in the nation and have the freedoms that we have, maybe they've never been anywhere else. But I can guarantee you, they don't appreciate the sacrifices that people before us have made if they don't appreciate it on a day like Memorial Day. But then again, how much do we appreciate what the God of heaven did for us If we don't take that same seed, remember the seed of freedom is important to cultivate and make sure it grows to its intended purpose. But the seed of Christ is even bigger. I mean, this is the bread that's going to feed the world. This is the bread of life where every man will live by this spiritual bread. 
It's growing in me. Men are going to find God because of what's inside of me. It's growing in me. It died on the cross. It was resurrected. It buried in my heart. Now it's beginning to get a root. It's beginning to grow. And God's saying, now be fruitful and multiply. And he's asking us to grow and grow and grow. He wants us to go from dead to bread. He wants us to go from being a dead seed dormant where the the switch flips on and we begin to change the world. Now I want you to begin to think, and I'm not going to be much longer here, but I want you to begin to think of some of these rules for the seed. What are you smiling for? You afraid I'm coming back there again? <laughs> There's always a game within the game here, you know? Like, like when I turn around, watch what they do. And if they're doing something, point, I'll turn around real fast. All right. But in order for God to do his work, we all want to mature, right? And in order for God to do his work, he's put this seed in every man and woman that's come into the world. He's lit. We've all been lit with this seed. But that switch has got to go on. And if that switch doesn't go on, it'll lie dormant. And if it lies dormant and and to the end of our life, it's just dead. There's no life in us. The only life we have is in that seed that Christ has put in us, dormant. But there are certain laws to sowing and reaping. Number one is we reap only what we have sown. So that seed can lie dormant. How many know that in your ground right now at home, there's all kinds of dormant seeds? And the seed that you're going to reap is whatever you plant. You say, well, man, what do I want to reap in my life? So then you go out that day and you plant it. You say, if I want zucchini, or if I want, you know, cantaloupe, or I want tomatoes, or I want potatoes, whatever it is I want to plant, that's what I'm going to get in my life. And some people, they go out and they just plant everything except a relationship with Jesus Christ. That seed just lies dormant their entire life. But what you'll reap, only what you sow. Listen to this, Ephesians 5.15, be careful how you walk. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord is, understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Psalm 90.12, so teach us to number our days that we may present ourselves to you with a heart of wisdom. How many know that we can go out, we can plant evil seeds? We can plant things that are going to grow and produce that have nothing to do with God. Like things that we know is not pleasing to God, that's what we can be planting every day. Think about it. Think about hatred when it gets planted. Think about that. Think about envy. Think about fighting. Think about strife. Think about, you know, just anything you can think of in life that's not a godly attribute. 
We don't want to be growing that in our life. Second law. In fact, let me go back a little bit. A couple of other things with the reaping and the sowing. We reap what we plant, and the Bible says sometimes we reap what we didn't plant. I mean, know that a lot of the things that we're reaping in this nation is things that we didn't plant. Like there are things in our foundations that we're still reaping, and you look at other nations around the world, they haven't been blessed like we have because of our foundation, and that foundation is eroding. And the other thing about reaping and sowing is sometimes you reap negative things that you didn't plan. Some of you are growing up, somebody's getting a call. You all right? <laughs> Some of you reap things that you didn't sow. So you could be in a home. How I many of you can be a Christian and be in a home that's reaping negative things? Sometimes you can walk into a situation at a company, at a church, at a, any family, and you can be reaping things that, other, that you didn't sow but you have to reap those things. And so we have to be very careful to know the process of reaping and sowing. That means if I'm in a situation where they've got a really bad crop here, I need to start planting for the future. I need to start planting seeds that are going to grow into something good and not something bad. I mean, no, there are a lot of families that the next generation plants exactly what mom and dad planted. And it may be the worst thing in the world, and that's what God doesn't want us to do. The second thing, we reap, we reap the same kind that we sow. Like when you reap something good and you have a family, your kids will reap the good. But if you reap bad, or if you sow badly, they'll also reap the bad. So whatever kind you plant, for instance, David. There was a time in David's life where he really sold seeds of righteousness. And you've seen his family begin to reap those benefits. But then you see another time in David's life where the exact same seeds that he planted were negative all through his family. So whatever kind you plant, that's the kind that you will reap. And so we need to be real careful and real deliberate about how we live our life. Number three. You rarely ever reap in the season that you sow. So sometimes that root will begin to grow in your heart and there will be a root going down, root going up. Jesus is beginning to grow in your life and you're doing all the right things and then all of a sudden, everything goes wrong. You say, oh man, God must not be real. God's not real in my life because I'm doing all the right things and everything is going wrong. How many have ever had that happen? Or, let me give you another one, and I'm not going to ask for raised hands on this one. But let's say you're doing everything wrong. You're planting seeds that you know there should be consequences, but you're living it up. Oh man, this isn't bad. You know, there must not be a God. 
because nothing's happening to me. Rarely when you plant a seed does it come in that season. I mean, no, there's a germination period, a growing period, and a fruiting season. But every seed you sow, you'll eventually reap. So when we're planting seeds that God wants us to plant in our life, we better be careful because I have to be faithful to take care of it until I see fruit. Because you may not see it right away. You may be doing the right things for a little while, and sometimes God will just allow you to experience things in your life that will keep you on the right track. And you say, man, that's hard. God's going to discipline me. And he will. You know, God will take you through periods of time you won't understand, but God says, stay faithful. Stay faithful in what you're doing, and I will bless you. <clears throat> Listen to this. Psalm 145.15, all of our eyes look to you and you do give food in due time. Psalm 104.27, we all wait for you and you will give food in due season. Galatians 6.9, let us not lose heart in doing well for in due time we will reap if we, will, we do not grow weary. So you've got to be faithful. Ever seen somebody who was really excited to plant a garden? And that garden was perfect for two weeks. But their attention span got off of the garden. So here you had these strong plants growing. Everything was going well. They were watering. They were weeding. They were fertilizing. Some of you are acting like you've never been there. But see, I can see through it. I can see through it because I've been there. (laughs) But that's how we do spiritually sometimes. We don't see it through. We get weary and well-doing. We say, why am I even doing good? Why am I even doing the right thing? Right? And sometimes we just let it go and God's trying to do a major work in your life and we give up. Because some little bit of thing went wrong. Some persecution maybe. Some hard time. And God's saying if you're going to be the type of person that bears fruit, you've got to stay with it. You know, you'll be in a different season when you reap this. <clears throat> you will always reap more than you sow. I'm never going to reap exactly what I sow. It will always be more unless I'm really bad at this. Right? I always reap more than what I sow. And that's a good thing because God really wants to bless every one of us. And so if we reap with the expectation, he's going to bless us with far more than we ever thought. But here's the other thing. If we reap things that aren't of God the consequence will be a lot worse than what you thought it was going to be. You say, well, man, this is just a little thing, you know. God, um, I'm sure it's, it's not right, and I know God doesn't want me to do it, but I'm going to go in and do it because it's a minor thing. And what you begin to find out is that you reap. God's, God's much more inclined to bless us than he is to allow us to have negative fruit in our life. But it's a rule and a law that you're always going to reap more than you sow. The sower always has less than the reaper. And so what God wants you to do is he wants to bless you abundantly, but if we keep turning our back on God, it'll be far worse than we thought it was going to be because of our negative actions. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. Here's another one. We reap in proportion to what we sow. 
The Bible says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Think about that. A lot of times we get in church and we just want to halfway do it. When we start serving God and, man, that seed's in me and it's like, God, I know what you did for me and I know how powerful this seed is in me and we just want to halfway do it. God's saying, no, if you do it halfway, you'll reap halfway. But if you sow all the way, you'll reap all the way. You'll reap abundantly if you pour your life into it. You'll reap just a little bit if you halfway put your life into it. And what God wants us to do is just pour ourselves into Him. And He says, you'll never regret pouring your life into me. you only regret if you stop in the season. And you never see the fruit. But if you pour yourself in God, you will never regret it. You'll see so much harvest in your life that you'll never regret it. But you have to be patient. I'm going to go to the last one here and I'm going to close with this. When it comes to the harvest season, you can't cry over last year's harvest. Think about it. Think about the farmer that had a bad season and all he's crying about is how bad last season was and it's planting time. You say, well, man, it's been hard. I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been through this. God says, stand up. In fact, I have a scripture here I want to read. Listen to this. Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call, upward call of God in Christ Jesus, let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal this also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard by which you have attained. Brethren, just in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that we have in us. For many walk, are often, of whom I've often told you, are now uh, tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set the minds of earth, set their minds on earthly things. But you are different. Your citizenship is in heaven, for which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God. That is not a person that's looking behind him. And you say, so many things have happened in your life. Some of you have been a part of those... Um, Bad, negative crops, I mean, where you just planted things that were bad. And and all we can do sometimes is think about the past. Man, I failed here, I failed there, I second-guessed myself here, I second-guessed myself there. And if you're going to be a great farmer who bears this seed and it bears fruit in your life, you're going to have to quit looking at things that are behind and look at the season you're in right now. Praise the Lord. Stand on your feet. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that you gave everything, Lord, so that we could live, Lord. Not only live in eternity, Lord, but live abundantly in this life, Lord. Lord, you've offered us the best blessings, Lord God, that heaven has to offer, Lord. Lord, we know that this earth that we live in is the closest thing to a hell that we'll ever see, Lord. 
It really is, Lord God. You have the abundance of heaven waiting for us, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord God, that that seed inside of each one of us, Lord God, would grow, Lord God, it would burst forth the miracle of that seed that you placed in us with your death. Lord, let it sprout forward, Lord.